welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Gold Press. We hope that you'll rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. No Jason tonight. Ira is not solo, though. We're here with Elliot from River City 93. Elliot, how's it going? It's going good, man. Um, really? It's been a lot After this weekend for you? I, I figured you'd be like, what was it the last time you said, uh, hello, darkness, my old friend? I mean... I expected to lose, but I didn't expect to lose that way. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to that get to that in a minute or two. Yeah. But let's let's talk about some happier news. We're gonna go right yes. directly to USL news. The U twenty World Cup is going on. The United States faced France on Tuesday, and two USL League One players, Abubakar Arcada for uh, for a center back, in another ninety minutes. Brandon Cervania for North Texas Soccer Club was the uh, center defensive midfielder for the US team that won and beat a massive French team by the score of three to two to advance to the quarterfinals of the U-20 World Cup. What's your thoughts on how both of these guys played here, Elliot? First of all, I think Cajun did an amazing job. I mean, seeing him play at Richmond and knowing that he has those moments where he's not as sharp as he should be, um, he did a very good job. I'm trying to remember the French attacker, the striker. He did a good job of locking him down in certain moments, kind of being physical with him. The, Diaby, who plays wide. for Diaby, who plays for PSG. Remember, he plays for PSG yeah, instead think... of Timothy Weah. Keep that in mind, everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine cover. I imagine like Abubakar half... Arcada covering Timothy Weah. That's basically what you're talking about. Pretty much. Like, I feel like half of the French national team was probably, like, day... yeah, half of the French U-20 team, like, Day one starters for like their club team. Yeah. So every so so here here's here's the difference. Um, one of their players has played more uh, professional matches for first team clubs than anyone than, than all of the starters on the uh, U.S. team. So you know you, you have a ton of experience. These guys all play in you know first and second divisions in Europe. Um, now a lot of the Americans do as well, right? But a lot of them play for like U19s. So you had someone yeah. out there who played for Bayern Munich, but plays for the U19s, right? Doesn't play for Bayern Munich, right? There's a, there is a big difference between that. So um, you know, but you know, huge result, huge result. And so one of the talking points of this was a lot of people were blaming Abubak Arcada, particularly on social media media or the second French goal. That was the go-ahead goal for France. Um, you know, we were just talking before the show, Elliot. We, we think maybe that's a little harsh. And, uh, um, you know, Abubakar yeah. is not he, – he really shouldn't be out on the left. What is he doing out on the left touch line when he's supposed to be playing left center back? I think it was the way how, how the formation is set up. So one thing I've seen for the U-20s is that they like to push their fullbacks up high, almost as having them be the secondary winger where they have their wingers tuck in and kind of fill in that midfield space. So I'm assuming that the center back's roles are like, look, you covered anything out there from the 18-yard marker out to the um, touchline. So pretty much if the left fullback pushes up, that center back will fill out there to um, hold down that space. Pretty much what happened was Keita's not the quickest. We all know this seeing Keita play. So pretty much he just got caught for pace. And he tried to be physical with him, but he couldn't catch up to him, and he got caught. Simply how the play happened. 
And the da- the danger there too was that he, even if he did catch up to him, if he had tried to step in front of the ball, he really risked giving up a penalty and maybe getting a card for that. So yeah, yeah, you know, probably better off at that point. You know, see see what what may and and, and you know the thing is like Serginio Dest, who was the right back, he was in the middle. He didn't make a play either, which maybe he should have. Um, the other center back didn't come back either. Anyway, I think it was a team. It was a team goal. Yes, Kata got beat for pace, but you know everyone got beat for pace by uh, uh, by Dabi Dabi in in, uh, in that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was probably the fastest guy in the pitch. Him and Timothy Way, right, his teammate. Saturday, by the way, uh, is the next match. Uh, hopefully, one or one or both of those guys will play again. I think that you know Kata's played all four matches so far, so it's very possible yeah. that Tab Ramos sees something in him in training and. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't get some minutes in uh, the next match against Ecuador on Saturday. I am kind of surprised that Mark McKenzie has not. I think outside of one game he started. I don't know if he's carrying an injury and Tab is just like, I'm not going to risk you. He started at he and he started at right back. Like he didn't play center back. So it suggests to me that maybe he has some kind of fitness or, or injury issue and they're just managing his minutes. So maybe he'll be back out there. Uh, you know, it'll, that'll be interesting to see. I, I think if anyone were to displace Kate at this point, it would have to be him. Let's move on to other USL news. So FC Tucson got LAFC defender Lamar Batista uh, on loan. Batista had played uh, 44 matches for Timbers 2 in the last two seasons. He had two matches uh, for Phoenix Rising this year on loan. This guy is a six and a half, he's almost six and a half feet tall, six foot five, uh, 21 years old from Oklahoma City, left footed. He either plays uh, left center back or left back. Uh, he's he's played both. I, I personally like him a little bit more as a uh, left back actually because he is quick, uh, gets down the pitch, and uh, you know likes swinging in crosses. Um, he also is for for T two. He's actually taken a, a pen or two as well. So really? um, so he has a shot. Yeah, I mean I thought that was interesting for a left back to be the penalty kick taker, but you know m- maybe that's just a T two thing rather than something else. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do, do you know this guy at all by chance, Elliot? Or no, I don't. But um, shout out to um, Stefan Hernandez on Twitter. He actually tweeted me about this. He was like, I think you will find this interesting. So apparently, what I found out was he was with I think Phoenix Rising. For a couple of games, like four games, and then he got loaned back to LEFC, and then got loaned to um, Tucson. So I was like, "Oh, surprising to see like he's being double loaned." Yeah, it was. So I let him be- it was weird. Yeah, so he was loaned. So so what happened was LEFC loaned him to Phoenix Rising. Phoenix Phoenix Rising used him in two matches, um, and then and then basically he either got recalled or Phoenix Rising sent him back to LAFC, and now he's with Phoenix Rising's affiliate. Um, and uh, playing yeah. with FC Tucson, yeah. So it is kind of a weird thing, you know, being loaned twice in the same season. Um, so kind that, of a weird that situation. lets me know that he's not he's not championship quality yet, but he might be like a decent starter in League One. Hopefully, he doesn't play this Saturday. That's my crop. That's my well, it, and and the question is it, maybe FC Tucson also needs him because it could be that Ledbetter might be moving up to and playing for Phoenix Rising, right? Who would normally be yeah. playing? I think you know, Ledbetter just need to make the move up. Like I think I feel like Phoenix Rising just need to be like, look, Ledbetter, you're part of the first team. You're not moving up and down. Just keep him part right. of the first team because he's played what I think three or four games so far for him so far this season. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah that's right. And uh, so just a little bit of other news. Uh, so Schaffelberg from uh, TFC2 was named Player of the Week. Um, I thought he had a great game. You know, we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, 
you know, not not a not a huge surprise. Uh, you know, w- was there anyone else who you think was really kind of a, on the short list for you, Elliot, for for player? Uh, half of the North Texas team, <laughs> and you were there, so you would know. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, um, really, um, I would say Peppy. He he looked all part of what the hype was about him. Like seeing him live and the strike that he had, I think in the sixty third minute. Absolute rocket, like and he—he's—it's not even so more. I was impressed with this. The goal was impressive, but what I'm more impressed with is his movement off the ball. How he's able to get in between the lines, in between channels, and really open up space for those running, making those in behind runs. So that was impressive to see. Yeah. All right, and uh, you know some good news for you here, Elliot. Uh, Richmond Yay. and for- <laughs> Richmond and Forward Madison both had over four thousand fans in attendance. Uh, you know, great, great stuff there. Yeah. In fact, um, actually, so far in in the the few matches that they've had this season, Forward has actually been averaging over four thousand tickets sold. Um, total attendance, by the way, this weekend for all of League One will surpass. 100,000 fans going through the turnstiles. So we're at 97,522 fans have attended. This is according to uh, Mike Pendleton, who if you don't follow on Twitter, you probably should. He's at uh, FAT, that's P-H-A-T, uh, 7-DEUCE, that's P-H-A-T, 7-D-E-U-C-E. So uh, <laughs> Mike Pendleton, thanks very much for those statistics. He puts out some cool stuff, not only for uh, USL League One, but also for the USL Championship and Major League Soccer on uh, on attendance figures and, and how they relate to um, and, and what, how they're trending compared to last year and this year. So um, really good stuff from, from Mike and, and a good follow. Um, all right. So, Elliot, let's talk about the matches. Uh, so uh, the first match was on Friday night. It was FC Tucson versus OCB. Um, uh, FC Tucson scored two. OCB scored two. Uh, it looked like to me that, uh, that you know, FC Tucson was going to be able to put out, pull out a win at home with, you know, the traveling uh, Orlando uh, crew out there. But OC Wusu in the 78th minute ties it up. There were goals before that by Rafael for OCB in the 44th minute right before, uh, right before halftime. Um, and then uh, uh, center back uh, Wheeler is it is it center? He's a defender. I don't remember if it's center back, but Wheeler uh, Omiu Om, Ominu. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he he scored a pretty nice goal, assisted by Cox, um, and then Taron, uh, the the striker for FC Tucson, uh, scored. Um, uh, sc- scored later, or, or one of the forwards, I should say, scored uh, in the 73rd minute uh, from, and with an assist from James Ga, who had another very good game. Um, mm-hmm. Possession stats, you know, just edged for FC Tucson, but nothing to write home about. Um, and, uh, you know, interesting, both teams had uh, had about a dozen shots and uh, about half of them each on target. Um, but it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting game, but it definitely, it, to me, it looked like FC Tucson probably deserved the win. Um, interestingly, Osi Wusu, uh, he scored on his only shot of the game. Um, so that was, uh, you, you know, so if you're going to score, you might as well, might as well be yeah. shot. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the, the, one of the strikers for, uh, for Tucson, Jordan Jones, he had three shots, only one on target. He was not as effective today, um, as, as he might've been, um, yeah, you know, did you have anything, uh, anything exciting to talk about with this game, Elliot? Oh, I have to say this, Orlando really impressed, is, is impressed me with the way how they're playing, um, because they took a lot of pressure. And I think it kind of freaked FC Tucson out as well. Because FC Tucson is the kind of team where 
they want a long ball up the field. They kind of want to pressure you in your side of your box. And I think it kind of kind of messed with FC Tucson. Now, granted, they were able to get back in the game, had a 2-1 lead. But Orlando, the thing that was kind of plaguing them at the beginning of the year is they have a lot of great individual talent. But when it comes to moments for them to win the game and have the composure, they kind of lacked it. And they showed it in this game, especially with the Osuusu goal um, that he had. And then Rafael stand out to me a lot. Like, he had, uh, let's see, 81% pass possession, which is kind of uh, – 81% pass completion is pretty decent. I mean, you know, especially for, for you know, a midfielder who's probably making a lot of passes. A, a lot of times yeah. you see those folks in the 60s and 70s. Probably so. Yeah. See, this is coming from a center back who has all the three passes a game. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he, he looked like he wanted to go at people. He looked dangerous. He played a lot in between the lines and – he seemed like that's the person that Orlando wanted to get the ball to, a person that didn't seem like they wanted to make things happen. Yeah. You know, the thing about about OCB, I think early on was just like you said, they, they weren't very coherent as a unit at the time. And you could tell that in particular in their, their defensive positioning, right? Like think about, you know, they they, they always look dangerous in the attack, but they, they just were defensively not very sound. And it seems like yeah. maybe they've they've filled in some of those gaps and been able to to get more uh, more coherent. I mean, they still let up two two goals, but I mean, you know, earlier in the season this might have been a four to two game and, and they would have lost instead of instead of drawing. 2-2. Two, two. So, um, you know, they've had a good string of results here uh, uh, of late. I don't remember exactly the record, but I think they might be – are they undefeated in, like, the last five or six? Is that right? No, think, it's not that long. It's not that long. But, uh, um, but, but anyway – It might be four. It might be four. Yeah, they're on a little, little run here uh, undefeated. Moving on, on Saturday, uh, one of the first games was Chattanooga, another 2-2 game. It was Chattanooga Red Wolves 2 versus TFC – that second team also scored two goals, so it was two to two. Uh, you had uh, Doyle for Chattanooga scored in the 38th minute. Schaffelberg scored for uh, Toronto in the 73rd. Uh, then uh, Hundel scored for TFC in the 69th. And once again, we had another comeback win by another team where Chattanooga Red Wolves for, uh, – uh, Falvey scored in the 84th minute. Possession was exactly 50-50 or, or very close there too. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chattanooga definitely looked to me a little bit more dangerous. They were, um, you know, lucky not to get another goal. Unlucky, I should say, not to get another goal or two. They had five shots on target, 14 shots overall, compared to seven uh, shots total for TFC2. Um, you, you know, just to show you how defensive um, some of these guys were, um, you know, Bunk Anderson had nine clearances all by himself. Um, you know, there's a lot of games where there's only nine or ten clearances the whole game by a whole t- by a team. You know, he had nine by himself. So you could see how much pressure the Red Wolves were were putting on the back line there of TSC. And uh, you know, one of the people that you've talked about here, Elliot, <laughs> Tariq Muhammad, he was uh, he was on fire as well. He had four interceptions, three clearances, four tackles. Really, really uh, solid match for him. Um, the boy yeah, is special. <laughs> yeah, he's he. I would be really surprised. I mean, do, do you think that uh, you, you mentioned last week that you thought that uh, he would be pretty likely to get a call up at some point for for TFC? Um, yeah. you, you know, after this match, you'd have to think that those odds probably go up. Oh yeah, most definitely. Like I, I can really see him getting the call up right around Gold Cup time because I don't know. If, we're not Gold Cup time. Well, yeah, maybe Gold Cup time. I can see him Gold getting the call up. Yeah. Yeah. Right around when the roster is a little bit thin, you know, during the summer months, go give him a game, 15 minutes here and there, and he'll, he'll impress. And another player that impressed me as well for Chattanooga was Zagaru. 
Zagu, the uh, the the uh, their left back. Yes, he had six chances created. He had Toru, three key passes, and he had two assists. Like he had his best game this this year, like so far this season. He had his best game. And he looked impressive. Yeah, he so he, so he's been coming on like the last couple of weeks. He he had an assist, I think, uh, um, a week or two ago, and um, you know he definitely is is you know joining the attack a little bit more. I think part of this too is like you know Coach Hankinson getting the team more uh, more cohesive as the seasons <laughs> progress. So just as they get more uh, time under their belt, they're uh, you know they're definitely looking. Um, a little bit more dangerous. They still have the problem, you know, finishing. Like, I, I, you know, we talked about that last week. Like, you know, what do you do with Eamon Zayed? Like, should he, the question we had, I, I think, from from Weston Shelton was, you know, should he be coming off the bench as an impact sub instead of being out there the whole game? And, um, you know, so maybe, you know, like Greenville, maybe Chattanooga needs that second striker option too because they have Beattie, who's we know is solid, and then you have guys like Zagoru who, you know, he can be really solid as well. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, I think that's something Chattanooga's probably going to work on, work on during the summer. Try to see if there's anyone out there they could possibly loan from maybe Nashville or Memphis. Try to get someone in there, but that's definitely something that they really need. And I feel like if you do get a second striker in there, it would probably help free up Beatty even more and allow him the opportunity to, you know, be even more dangerous. So that's interesting. So right now they play more of a like a four-two-three-one. So you think maybe. If they went to something like a, um, uh, like a two striker system, like a like a either a four one four one or uh, you know somewhere where you can get two strikers up there, uh, yeah. I guess the challenge with that is you know sometimes they're defensively a little bit weak. So um, yeah, I mean you could certainly play with that, and and certainly they have a style that I think they're they, they're trying to play right. They're trying to play a style not dissimilar to Richmond. Which takes a long time to to develop because you need chemistry yeah. between the players to play that kind of you know possession or or fast build up kind of system, um, yeah. instead of you know playing the long ball or just playing the high press and winning the ball high. All right, yeah. anything else on that game? No, that's pretty much it for me. We're rolling right through this. We we, we don't have Jason uh, holding us back here. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, 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 his random stats here. I, I miss Jason because he uh, he always brings some nugget that that we all miss. Uh, all right, so Greenville Triumph versus South Georgia Tormenta. Um, so this is I don't know what we call this this the other Southern rivalry. I, I have no idea. This is but you know certainly a, a match that uh, that the league is trying to uh, make into a rivalry. Uh, here's the thing, you know after this match. Tormenta has not lost a match. Well, they only lost one match, right? But they've they haven't lost since April twentieth. Yeah. So they are one one heck of a run here. Uh, they had fifty three percent possession compared to Greenville's forty seven. Um, Greenville was really on the back foot, though it seems. You know, they, they had a lot of interceptions. Greenville came out of their, uh, the, you know, came out of their bunker, pressed a lot. Um, you know, definitely didn't have a um, as much of the ball. In fact, only had. Uh, didn't even have 370 passes compared to well over 400 for Tormenta. Um, and, uh, you know, both of them had uh, had a few shots. South Georgia had five. Uh, Greenville only had two. But but all of those were high-quality chances. So I'd say that, you know, even though there was – even though there weren't a lot of shots, there, there easily could have been a number of goals that, that each guy could have scored. Um, interestingly, South Georgia Tormenta, 12 for 12 in tackles. 
So they were 100 percent tackle accuracy. Tackle accuracy. Um, you know, pretty pretty defensive match. Um, but uh, you know, at the same time, there was a lot of wing play um, in, in this match, and, and you know, four shots were blocked uh, for each team. So it's not like it, it's not like they they weren't trying to score here. It wasn't just a bunker and South Georgia saying, okay, well. You know, we'll be more than happy with a uh, with a draw here. Yeah, it, it wasn't that kind of game. I do feel like this is the kind of game that John Harks will show his team and be like, "This is how we want to play." Pulling out maybe like a couple of uh, exclusions here, or there. I feel like this is how Harks want to play. He wants to be able to, I want to say bunker, but have like a defensive wall and then move up as a unit because he know how limited his squad is. He know that he can't play this fast break high up tempo kind of system because he knows his players will break down definitely being in South Carolina. So he's like, all right, let's be smart about this. I have to pretty much put this team inside the 18 yard box and have them move as a unit. And if we can nick our chances here or there, I mean, we could tell by they have the lowest goal tally out of anyone. That's pretty much how John was trying to play. The other nice thing about this uh, this particular match is that uh, I was able to see uh, Chris from yeah that yeah that soccer show and formerly oh, really? from our show he was uh, uh, he was on camera more than once when there were throw-ins uh, across the field so that that was kind of cool to see him uh, dressed up in his green <laughs> kit so um, shout shout out shout out to Chris I hope he's doing well with uh, with, with the family. Moving on, this is one we'll spend a little bit more time on primarily because you're here, Elliot. We don't have to. We don't even have to mention this game. We well, I we we are the week one fun, and I know this is not exactly the funnest time for you. The folks in in North Texas, however, uh, will find uh, it more. Yeah. Richmond kickers nil. South, excuse me, North Texas Soccer Club three. Richmond's third loss pro. <laughs> uh, it was Sealy in the twenty seventh. Um, uh, on I don't know. That was kind of a weird goal. We should. Definitely work through that one though, because um, though there were some defensive errors, you talked about it on your show on on uh, um, on the River City ninety three podcast. Uh, Ricardo Pepe scored in the sixty third, a wonder goal, which you mentioned earlier in the show. And um, our, was it? It was Otoro Rodriguez this time, right? Or was it David? I don't remember. One of the Rodriguez I think it was, brothers. Yeah. yeah, one of the, one of the Rodriguez was... brothers scored in the sixty eighth. Um, I should have. They're known. all good. It was David. I should, it was David. Okay, so it was David. It was a younger brother who scored. Um, yeah, they're you know, all good. You know, you guys had you guys had a bulk of possession. Um, you know, corners were pretty even. Passing, you guys, you guys had four hundred and forty nine passes. That was the most of the weekend uh, of anyone. And uh, you know, and even then, your your pass accuracy in the opponent's half was also sixty seven percent. You know, you had ten shots, three uh, uh, three shots on target. Um, you know, just kind of couldn't finish one or two of those to to, to get there. Yeah. Let, Let's talk firstly about the Sealy goal because the ball goes down the left hand, the left flank. Um, it gets popped out. There's three kickers standing around the ball, um, and then the ball comes across the net. Now, you know, some people have said that you know maybe Scotty Thompson was out of place because he moved uh, from you know the uh, fr- from the kicker's left side into the middle of the goal to and and tried to pressure the ball, and um, Sealy slips in behind him at the far post, but. In fairness to Scotty, there was not much he could do because he had either cut down the angle and he had to worry about you know uh, you know a player coming from yeah. from the right side because everyone else was shifted over. So, um, I mean, what this goal comes down to pretty much is overcorrection and overcommitment. 
so what happened was <clears throat> at first we all thought it was Troy's fault because Troy's was the one we saw kind of like have that look of like, oh crap, I messed up. But when we watched it, when I watched it on the replay, it was kind of Hughes. And Hughes like kind of like slid in to try to force the ball out of balance. The ball kind of rolls underneath him and it kind of pops out. One of the North Texas players takes a shot. And you can see as soon as he's taking a shot, Scott is looking, is like, all right. I have to make sure I crash to make sure I cover the backside of Akira or try to get the deflection. So it's funny where if he doesn't step, he actually gets the ball to where Sealy makes a shot. But since he steps and he kind of is overcorrecting the situation because there's a gap and a void there that thus creates Akira to push the ball out to where Scotty was and there's Sealy and tap it in. Um, and and it, yeah, it's unfortunate that, that that happened, I think, for, for them as well. So Scotty actually had looked really good in the first half. He had four really dangerous crosses, just no one could get their head on the ball. Chin couldn't quite bring one yeah. down and hit it, headed it over, um, over the bar. And, uh, you know, so it's unfortunate for, for Scotty in, in that case. Um, let's quickly talk about Pepe's goal because you mentioned it before. Can you talk us through it? Uh, yes, I can. So on this goal, I, what I believe happened was Malaga is pretty much, once again, an individual error. I feel like he just, he tried to force it. And I think he got stuck in two minds because to me, it felt like he wanted to go long. But what happened was pretty much he has Buna in his head of like, hey, play it short, do the same thing. So he passes it short to Hughes. And I feel like he... Passes it too hard to Hughes, and then Hughes has to overcorrect it because it's not like he can trap it, turn, and kind of look and survey where he's at. He has to pretty much react to what Malagas does. He overhits it. It kind of slips into the path of – I can't remember who it was who had the assist. But then it falls into the lap of Pepe. And if that's any other striker, they're probably taking another touch, trying to get inside the box to have a secure shot. He does it. He just rips one, and he kind of does that – really beautiful thing or where it hits like right underneath the crossbar. You can hear it just ding and it dropped down. And it was nothing you could do on that. Like I even turned around in this section. Oh, it was just like, there's no way as a goalkeeper you're stopping that. So pretty much what happened. I feel like both the first two goals really just came off of just overcorrection. Like we were just trying to overcorrect situations where if there wasn't that much pressure on us. I felt like we would have done fine, but we over we got too much. We had too much pressure. We overthought it. Well, and uh, of course, David Rodriguez winds up going out and getting the uh, getting the third goal. Um, kind of that was unnecessary for on the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great game for uh, for Richmond. Um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll turn it around this weekend. We'll talk about their their upcoming match. Uh, later. Um, but then again, I mean, it's North Texas too, you know, North Texas literally has, um, sorry about that. North Texas no, literally has, uh, has only lost one match. And technically that one match, they weren't really supposed to lose that because if I can't remember, I think it was silly who scored the goal in with the 95th, 96th minute. They're technically, if that goal doesn't get called off sides, they're technically still undefeated. Right. You know, and I mean, that's, North Texas really proved why they are a dangerous team. And I was making a case on the podcast of this is a team, this is what Bulo envisioned 
what he wants. A system that's been in place for multiple years, you have players growing in the system. So now it's no longer they're just they're thinking through the steps. They're not reacting to it. They see it and they're able to go to that next step and able to now not have to understand it, but just apply it and take it to the next level. That's what I feel like Bulo wants to do. I also feel like we got the lineup very much wrong, and I feel like we kind of fell into the trap of, like we did against Orlando City, of these guys are kids, we can be physical with them, and we got our body and our pace them. And we got proved wrong in that horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. You, you say, you know, everyone's like, oh, Ricardo Pepe is 16. He doesn't look 16, you know, so... I mean, oh, my son, my son's fifteen, and you know this kid is you know way way uh, bigger. I mean, you know, and he's an international, right? I mean, he's a U seventeen U S international, so um, yeah. he's he's you know potentially going to be something one day. Uh, all right, moving on. <laughs> Forward Madison zero, Lansing ignite one in a game that has uh, you know. <laughs> you you and Chris Greenville Greenville and Richmond really don't like uh, don't like forward. Uh, Weston Shelton was there. I recommend that every, everyone listen to Capital Combustion. He'll tell you all about what it was like uh, being at Forward Madison. How welcoming the flock is. So anyone who wants to go there, seek out the flock. Uh, they'll show you a great time and and uh, you know you know even you know win or lose they'll uh, they'll be cheering loud and and uh, it's a, apparently a really great oh, yeah. environment. So this was Lansing's first win uh, after four draws in a row. Uh, so they, um, you know, are now are sitting on seven points in their last five games. Um, this was Forward's third loss in a row. So don't feel so bad, Elliot, and and everyone who supports Richmond. Yeah, it's um, weird. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, and they're also and, yeah, exactly. And Forward's also uh, winless in four. Um, we'll get to the table in a minute, but um, you know, really you know, one, one win for, for Richmond and, and you're really not in bad shape. So, um, the, the sole goal in this game came, uh, just after halftime where, uh, where moon scored in the 47th minute with an assist from Stoneman. So firstly, let's describe this goal a little bit. So Stoneman has the ball right around the center line. Uh, he makes a little chip. It was a nice chip, but it wasn't, you know, particularly special. Um, and moon settles it beats two players. And then, just rips a shot. I mean, it was a rocket. If, you, if you're going to call any shot a rocket, that is uh, like the exemplar of rockets. And um, look, Nick Moon, I, I think I asked it in the chat. I asked Winston. I was like, look, how much is Nick Moon worth? Because I'm willing to pay that transfer fee. That kid <laughs> is special. Like, I obviously think like there are very few players in League One that you can take and put onto multiple other teams and he will fit perfectly. Joey G is an example, Ricardo Pepe, um, and Nick Moon. Like, he is one of those players that you can put into any team in League One, and he will fit perfectly in. So he was playing in a different position this time because I, w I was looking at where he uh, at his heat map, which you can do on on the the league's website. It's it's uh, they have a lot of the Aptus stats there, so I, I suggest yeah. you do that if you're interested. And one of the things is, you know, he had been playing more as a uh, as as a right as a right back, and he so he really had spent about fifty percent of his time in each half. This game, he was playing more as a uh, as a right winger, so he was much more advanced than he had been in, in previous matches. I don't know if that's because um, uh, there was someone I think who was injured, and maybe he was trying to fill in there. 
but you know, kind of like kind of like a guy like Connor Antley. Like Connor Antley is another one like Nick Moon, where he's very dangerous, can get up and down. You know, the, their side of the of the field. Um, and, and I'd say that th- those two are very very similar in many respects um, in in the way that they play. Um, so so Moon beat Tobin. You know, for, for pace. Do you think that Stoneman actually deserves an assist on on that though? I mean, Moon did literally all the work. I mean, I love giving assists. I mean, I used to be an assist guy when I was uh, w- w- when I played competitively. So you know, I appreciate the the guy who does all the work and passes it to the, hey. the other person for the tap in. But yeah, you know, I I don't know. I mean, Stoneman I mean, had a great Stone's game. A center back. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, give it to him. Don't, <laughs> hey. Look, center backs don't get a lot of love, so we'll take it wherever we can. <laughs> give it to that man. That's fair. And Stoneman had a very good game defensively as well. I mean, he definitely was a uh, you know really hassling the, uh, the the front line of, of forward. They they oh, really didn't have definitely. a way to. Uh, to, to get in there, um, you know, I'm not going to go through a lot of the stats. Uh, you know, unsurprisingly, forward Madison had had more of the ball. You know, Lansing likes to press, and they they don't necessarily want the ball all the time, uh, so they want to win the physical battles. Um, crossing accuracy, um, they had a uh, uh, you know, <laughs> crossing accuracy is really funny. So there, so forward put in 18 crosses, only 22 percent were accurate. Um, meanwhile, Lansing. Had nine crosses and eleven percent were accurate. By higher math here, Elliot, since I'm an economist, I will tell you that that means that Lansing had one successful cross and that Forward Madison had four successful or yeah, four successful crosses. So, um, you know, crossing was not working really that well for either. No, it wasn't uh, really. It wasn't. So, uh, so Nick Moon had uh, he had three shots plus the, and and one of those was the goal. You know, I thought that was interesting. Um, then there was a red card. So, so couple of couple of things. So. Um, you know, very X file ish. There was a missing three minutes <laughs> from the ESPN feed. So right around the 92nd minute or 93rd minute, the feed goes out. We come back for the last blow of the whistle, and all of a sudden, Nunez gets a red card. And you know, it was yeah. See, I didn't even see all that. It was yeah. It, well, we didn't exactly see what happened before that. And so there were a couple of things. The, the official word was that he had abusive language or something toward the referee, which I could see. But I think he also might have taken off his shorts. It, did, I, did I see that correctly? I watched it three or four times, and it looked like he took his shorts off. I mean, if you take your shorts, it's not that hot in Madison. <laughs> I, mean, I, swear, I saw people in coats. It's not that hot, dude, for you to be taking off your shorts. I mean, he, he didn't take off his shirt. Bathroom. Like, he why did he take like, off his shirt? Well, I don't know. yeah. Maybe anyway, he to the bathroom. He was like, "All right, cuts out the refs." Like, no way. <laughs> I think he probably could have waited till he was off the pitch. Anyway, either either way, Nunez gets a red card. Also, um, there was a uh, if memory serves, we Daryl Shore also got kicked out. The uh, coach of Forward Madison um, also oh, for abuse of language. So clearly, the people didn't like the refereeing. Um, you know, the guys on Capital Combustion didn't like it either. You know, I. I being a referee myself, I tend to, you know, appreciate how difficult it is sometimes to referee. Um, you know, I, I think the most important thing is for referees to be consistent. And, you know, this referee didn't like to blow the whistle. So he wanted to play and he knew that I think Lansing was going to be very physical. So he let them play. Um, yeah. You know, I, I – you know, you you could you could argue you could argue that that he shouldn't, but you know, one man one person's push is someone else. I mean, yeah, you know, did, do you think that the referee was significantly, well, you know, was was biased or bad in in this match? No, I mean, look, you know, box stands when it comes to fouls, right? No blood, no foul, right? Got it. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, 
when it comes to Lance's style, I, I feel like that's the that that is going to happen. When you're an aggressive pressing team, you're going to be physical. You're not going to be playing off people, waiting people to get the ball. If you're going to be physical, you'll be going into it. I also feel like. As a referee, and I'm not a referee at all, so you probably know better than I do. You know when someone's doing something deliberately, like trying to deliberately hurt a person or trying to get a revenge tackle, then they're and when they're doing something in the course of their in in the course of their tactics, and that's what I feel like Lancer was probably doing. You know, as all. But I do have a unique name for this derby. Are you ready to hear? Yeah, it? Yeah, I want to hear it. Let's hear it. All right. So look, since Ford and Lansing probably have the best two social media accounts. I say we call this the Twitter handle Darby. <laughs> Twitter handle Darby. Yes. Twitter handle Darby. That's how, and I don't know what the trophy could be, but that's the name of this Darby. That's what it should be called. All right. Well, you don't need a trophy to have a Darby. Um, yeah. So the Twitter handle like Darby. Football, but I feel like, you know, North Ford, they'll have a trophy for it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, what, what do we have? You're wearing your DC United shirt and I'm a New York Red Bull supporter. We have the Atlantic Cup. Which is yeah. like the most meaningless trophy in in all of Major League Soccer. It definitely, it's is. like the Cascadia Cup. At least is a little better because there's three teams involved, right? Like, you know, what we yeah. need to do we need to throw Philly in there and and uh, you know maybe maybe make it more interesting. The Smurfs Probably maybe so. too. All right, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I my little bias there. Uh, let's see. <laughs> all right, in points per game. We have uh, the the top four uh, is uh, are actually the same as the official standings right now. But but teams four through eight are super tight. And in fact, anyone who wins will jump up uh, two or three spots. Anyone who loses will go down two or three spots. So and that's uh, that's basically Lansing, Tucson, Greenville, Chattanooga, and Richmond will all you know that 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 whole pack is basically fighting for uh, for third or fourth place depending on uh, how it goes. North Texas yeah. still running away with it. South Georgia Tormenta could be caught actually if South Georgia were to were to, to lose and uh, TFC were to win, TFC would only be a, dr- a draw behind uh, Tormenta. So, so t- you know, TFC really moving up the table here. Uh, forward and, and OCB both languishing at the bottom. Okay, week 11 preview. Uh, how are we doing on time here? We're pr- doing perfectly, actually. This is actually the first time that we're actually keeping to the schedule on the, uh, on the, on the rundown. It's amazing. Uh, week 11, let's see, on Friday, June 7th at 7.30 p.m. after the Women's World Cup games all uh, all end, we have OCB versus Forward Madison. As I mentioned before, both uh, Josiel Nunez and Daryl Shore will both be uh, somewhere watching from the stands somewhere. Daryl Shore, of course, their coach. On June 8th, uh, you have at 4 p.m., you have TFC2 versus is hosting Lansing Ignite. On Saturday, June 8th at 8 p.m., you have South Georgia Tormenta is hosting Chattanooga Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, South Georgia is going to be missing Ricardo Gomez for his red card that he received in uh, last week's game. And uh, finally at 1030 out in Arizona, you have, uh, you know, the kickers are headed out that way. So presumably airplane derby. The Airplane Derby. That's actually not, you know, so remember on uh, BGN.FM, you can get written content as well. And I actually wrote an article about this. Um, you know, most people would have thought maybe that that Toronto to FC Tucson was the uh, was the farthest uh, distance that's traveled. But no, that's incorrect. The farthest is distance is FC Tucson versus 
the Richmond Kickers. So the Kickers are doing the longest flight in all of USL League One this week uh, for, for their match. Um, just so you know, uh, let's see. Hopefully their legs don't cramp. Also, two Wednesday games oh, next week. Yeah. So here, 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 how do you like this starting time? Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. TFC two versus North Texas. Well, at least they're two two teams, and they're not. You know, it it's not one of the independent teams to go into it. But again, eleven a.m. TFC two versus North Texas on Wednesday. Um, You know, maybe I'll take a long lunch that day and and watch the match. And then seven thirty p.m. is OCB versus uh, versus FC Tucson. So FC Tucson is home on Saturday, and then has to fly down to Florida. On Sunday for a rematch of this week's uh, with this week's draw, maybe they can yeah. get a, another result. Uh, any match that particularly intrigues you besides the Richmond match here, Elliot? I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm interested to see Orlando City be at forward because I want to see if forward can get back on track. Because um, I feel like this is a this is a must win for them. Um, I'm also interested to see TFC and Lancet. I feel like Lancet probably wants some um, revenge against what happened against them last week, last time they played against each other. So those are probably two games that sticks out of me. What about you? Yeah, I, I I like the Tormenta versus Chattanooga game. I think that you know that that's you know as much as there's this you know budding rivalry, if you will, between you know Greenville and South Georgia. You know that the last time that those that Tormenta and and uh, Chattanooga met, it was a pretty chippy match, and I'd like yeah. to see. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see if it's going to be chippy again, and if if those two are going to go at it. And I, I think that might be the more you know, natural rivalry, if you will. Yeah, to see, that's the thing. I feel like the league, I mean, of course the league is going to try to put these rivalries together, but I feel like there are certain teams that when they play each other, you can tell is a unique rivalry. Like when um, Chattanooga plays against Tormenta, I can tell, like, all right, that's a unique game. I think Lansing and Greenville, that's probably will be the best rivalry in, in League One throughout the year. Like if those two meet each other in the playoffs, I guarantee you it's going to be two red cards. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I can see it happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we only have one fan question from someone who has to be anonymous. Uh, do you think there's a chance that Hartford Athletic could self relegate uh, and North Texas joins the championship? So I guess promotes themselves Ooh. or wants to be promoted. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll start Elliot, and you can uh, you can okay. jump in here a little later. Um, I, I don't. I think this is given that this is hard for the Athletics inaugural uh, year. I think that they'll give it one more year before they would self relegate. Um, you know, they, they, yes, they're having a really terrible season, and uh, um, but nonetheless, I think that a new team, an expansion club, will have to give itself at least two years to to determine whether or not you know which league they should be in. As far as North Texas goes, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they are in uh, League One, quite frankly, because if you think about you know the the, the best. Uh, what I would consider the best academies, it's uh, it's you know it it is FC Dallas, it is uh, Seattle, and it is New York Red Bulls. Like I would say that the and you know DC United, I think is is getting better. You know certainly you look at what's happened with um, with uh, these B team. Well, you, you you just look at how they're doing in the championship and some of the some of the players that yeah, they've, yeah, yeah, that yeah, they've developed, right? So, um, so anyway, so some of the other two teams, but I think if, if anyone is going, if either of these two teams is going to move, uh, is going to move leagues, I think North Texas is more likely to go up than Hartford Athletic to come down. Um, I actually 
disagree with you. I think Hawford is more likely to come down. And the reason being is because not even because of how can I put this? FC Dallas, I think when they made the North Texas team, it was just like, look, we'll just give the young guys a chance to play. And I think they move to the championship. I think one is already super populated with a whole bunch of Texas teams. So I think they'll stay in League One just to be like, all right, we're the League One team in Texas. But then also it's because they're going to put more and more younger guys into it. And you don't want your younger kids getting beat up by guys that are, you know, quite older, a lot more physical. League One, I feel like it's more for the ages of 26 and younger. Championship, I see more for that age range of 24 and up. I, I feel like Hartford will probably move down after next year. Um, just because of, I don't know how the finances are for that team or whatnot, but it just seems like a roster that is completely, that was put together horribly. And, I mean, I, honestly, lack of fan interest might drip down after this year. I mean, what they haven't won a game yet this year outside of the U.S. Open Cup, if I stand mistaken. I, I believe that's correct. Yeah, so... I don't see things changing for Harvard. Oh, actually, they, they might have just won one uh, maybe the week before last. But, yeah, it's, yes. you know, if, if they won one, you, you can look that oh, up. Oh, yeah, they did. They won one. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I see – I can definitely see your point. I guess the, the you know, the, the other thing that we don't know here is how many other teams are coming down. Like, like the league's already hinted that there's going to be a mix of both independent teams. There's going to be – you know, we know we're having Omaha. Uh, presumably we'll have one or two more independent teams. And then a couple of other uh, two teams might come down or be started. Yeah, you know, like See, okay, so L- LA, LA doesn't have a, a LAFC does not have a, a a two team at the moment. So you know, maybe they'll consider starting one in, in League One as well. You know, that would give Tucson someone to play. So let me ask you this: Is there any team in the championship right now that you can see coming down? Because I have one that I can definitely see coming down. So you mean an independent team, not not a not a two team? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, any of the two teams might come down, except maybe the Red Bulls, because the Red Bulls, yeah, I mean, the second place in the championship. Why would you come down when you have such a strong two team? Yeah, I can't necessarily think of one off the back of my head, but uh, you know, outside of Hartford, maybe. But who do you have? Colorado Switchbacks. Colorado Switchbacks. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, that's a very that's a very interesting uh, choice too. Yeah, and and it's also Western, right? So. Yeah, that's 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 a really good one. Um, that's I can good. see the switchback coming down. Yeah. One because not only the team struggling, but they're also they're kind of in that area of where I feel like the league one wants to go to, and I can feel like the switchbacks would be like, all right, let's go down to league one. Let's go tell league that we could. Kind of what Richmond was thinking. Well, the fans were thinking, and I think this the mar- league we could go yeah. to, we could dominate. And I think and I feel the, like mar- the market, yeah, the market, the market size is right too, right? I think the market size is like right on the cusp between. Where you know the champion, where the league wants both the championship and and league one, right? So it's not, yeah, it's not a major. It's right. It's not a Nashville or a Louisville or something, which you know you could see them. You know, like they wouldn't make any sense to come to League One, whereas um, you know somewhere like Colorado Springs makes perfect sense to to come to League One. Yes. So with that, hey Elliot, awesome! Thanks for being here. You know, we hope to have Jason back next week. Uh, you know, life gets in the way. We we all <laughs> keep in mind, everyone, that we do this on a volunteer basis. We do this because we love the game, because we love the beautiful game, and uh, so that's one reason why we all decided to join the Beautiful Game Network. We self promoted ourselves to the Beautiful Game Network, if you will. Uh, Elliot, 
Elliot, where could people find you? And tell us a little bit about your podcast as well. <laughs> um, so you can find us, find me, my co-host Shanir, who finally has a Twitter. Um, you can find him at CDOS34. Uh, you can find our podcast that covers the Richmond Kickers, Richmond Kickers, that Kickers, at River City 93. Um, we cover all things Richmond Kickers. We have player interview. We just did an interview with Maxi Rodriguez, who was a real cool guy. Great to hear his story about how he started off at San Antonio, um, playing at University of Charlotte. Um, we also cover all soccer culture in the city of Richmond. So um, we're also planning to do an upcoming photo shoot with the Richmond Kickers in a culture jersey um, in which players will be wearing a jersey that I designed with the help of some of the River City Red Army. Um, so that's something we got coming up soon. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, so it is Pride Month. Yes. And because it is, you guys were, were doing some stuff there. So talk to us about what's going on in Richmond for uh, for Bride Month. Um, so pretty much the Richmond Kickers designed this sweet-looking jersey. Um, and I believe the proce- proceeds of it were donated to Diversity Richmond. Uh, we also partnered with Pride Razor, who a lot of other supporters group in the U.S. soccer region are partnering with. Um, so far, we have decided to donate up to $179, I believe, towards Diversity Richmond. Obviously, we didn't score any goals, so we haven't donated anything yet. But we did a fundraiser for the Champions League. We did a watch party, and we raised, I believe, $211 to donate towards uh, Diversity Night. So everything is really on the up and up here in Richmond. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, also on, on that score, if you go to bgn.fm um, and look under the US, uh, USL show, you will find Out in the Crowd, which Evan from the USL show was interviewed actually by one of the players from uh, one of the players from North Carolina FC, who's in uh, definitely um, out front <clears throat> and outspoken about um, uh, about issues around uh, the uh, the LBGTQ at plus community. Um, Austin uh, Deleuze is that player. He's the captain of North Carolina FC. Uh, so with that, I'm Ira Jersey. You can find me at Ira Jersey. And for Jason, who's not here tonight, you can find him at, at Home Sweet Soccer. I want to thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and review us. Let's try that again. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and much more. Also, thank you to Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price at other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. I only asked for one thing for my birthday, and that was Roughneck <laughs> Scarves. My family did, did you get, not get me any. Oh, dang. I, I mean, they got me something nice. They got me a, a, a little massage package, so I'm okay with that. But all I really yeah, wanted was scarves. So anyway, I am, uh, you know, I am going to be adding to my collection very soon. I realize that I have a job and I have a credit card. So, um, <laughs> so the roughneck scarves. Look out for my uh, my order very soon, Elliot. Send it in bulk, all at once. <laughs> <laughs>
all at once. I just want I, I'm gonna open the box on air and people can go to our YouTube channel and just watch me opening up scarves. That that'll be great. Yeah, it'll just, it, uh, it'll just be random. Okay, we can take bets on which one uh, the next one that I'm gonna pull out of the box. Probably so. All right, Elliot, thank you very, very much for coming on and thanks everyone for listening.